Hello and welcome to another episode of Healing Through Pain. I'm your host, Steph, and this is a show that dives into health and healing where we discuss how to show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Today we're going to talk about emotional dysregulation and how to get emotionally regulated and why we have to. Thanks for tuning in. So I want to start with, for me, one of the more primary reasons why emotional regulation matters as adults, and that is because there are little eyes watching. And if we expect kids to be emotionally regulated, then we best be modeling how to do it. And when they do it wrong, we must be walking with them how to do it better. And when we do it wrong, we must be apologizing. And that's something I feel just very strongly about. There is such opportunity to connect well in relationships, and I'm talking all types of relationships. If we understand what our body and mind and behaviors are doing when we're in high distress and choosing to do it, like to process emotions and to have experiences in the most healthful way possible. And so I'm going to use several different anecdotes today to illustrate what is emotional dysregulation and why re-regulating is really just paramount before we try to make decisions or as it relates to kids, try to demand anything out of them. So this past Friday, I was uh, working with a, a set of teachers to try to pinpoint some uh, better strategies for some big behaviors that we're seeing in a few students. And one of the um, one of the things that I do is I just go and I sit and I observe and I, I watch, you know, kind of kids in their natural, I was going to say habitat, that doesn't seem right. Maybe kids in their natural environment is more socially appropriate here. So I, I go into the classroom and I watch these um, students intermittently and just observe like what's going on and one of the things that shows up is some pretty big behavior so whether it's outbursts or whether it's frustrations or overwhelm or you know sometimes maybe even throwing things and, and that type of thing so we want to figure out okay how do we keep said kiddo safe how do we keep others in the classroom safe how do we make this a learning environment those those are the types of questions that we're trying to answer one of the primary interventions is understanding that when someone has a trauma history, especially a child, something happens called dysregulation. So dysregulation means no longer is the front processing reasonable part of my brain working. Instead, we're going to use the word hijacked. My brain has been hijacked and my amygdala is now responding. And, and maybe even responding is not a good word there. I'm reacting to what I perceive to be an unsafe situation or I'm reacting to big emotions that I'm experiencing that I don't know what to do with. And so as I observed this with, with a child on Friday, what I did was um, he, he just wasn't being cooperative, but he also was starting to kind of act very infantile. And so let's go back to what I talked about on Monday's episode where regression happens, right? So this kiddo had clearly regressed to a, a very, um, very young, immature state. And so I took him by the hand and I, I walked into our admin's office and he was, I mean, he, he went in and he sat down on the chair, but he was very out of sorts. He wouldn't make eye contact with me. He was looking all around. He was grinning, but it wasn't like mischievous grinning. It was like almost like a vacant um, awareness. Like when, when I tried to make eye contact with him, he just wasn't having it. And so what I did was I took both of his hands, one in each of my hands, and I started to rub the tops of the backs of his uh, hands. And I did it in a very slow, intentional, deliberate way. And I, um, I, I said his name a couple times and he still, you know, he was still out of sorts. So touch wasn't enough to help him re-regulate. And so I tried to coach him a couple times. I said, I need you to breathe. I need you to breathe. 
And when he was breathing, he started to do really rapid breathing, right? And, and I'm going to model this, not because it's a really fun noise to hear over, um, over a podcast. In fact, it might be a little, little bit of a weirdo here, but, but so it goes. But when I asked him to breathe, he was, he was doing this type of breathing, right? That's, that's just another signal that, that he's offline right now. So I kept my voice really slow, really rhythmic, and I said, I need you to breathe slower. And then I started to breathe slower. I'm rubbing his hands to that same cadence. It took probably about two minutes of me doing this. Intermittently, I would say, I need you to make eye contact with me, please. And he, he couldn't do it. After about two, two and a half minutes, he started to make eye contact with me. And his breathing slowed down and he kind of became a little bit limp. He wasn't rigid anymore. And that's when I started to ask him questions. I said, hey, what's going on today, bud? I'm, I'm confused why you have so much energy going on and, and you're not knowing what to do with it. And he told me about something exciting that was going on for him that day. So, so literally what had happened was he started getting kind of hijacked or, or overexcited about things and his body just went offline because there was too many emotions running through it and, and he and his little body didn't know what to do with that. Before I could sit there and demand like, you, you sit down or, or you uh, follow along or, or tell me what's going on, none of that was a reasonable ask when his whole body is dysregulated, his mind is offline. So I had to work with him on re-regulating and helping him get back into a posture where he was able to start using the front part of his brain again. When we ask our kids hard questions and, and they're offline, it's an inappropriate ask. There's no way they're going to respond well. And I will talk in the future because, again, I, I've had very specific anecdotes with clients where parents are making behaviors or, I'm sorry, making decisions or doing behaviors that really feels unsafe to a child. And so a child has a trauma response and then the child gets punished for having a trauma response. That's just not an appropriate order of events. We have to model for kids how to re-regulate. We can ask them to respond differently, but not in the throes of dysregulation. It doesn't work. If you think 15, 20 episodes ago when we talked about, well, when I talked about pit bulls, because obviously I love my pities, um, when, when they're backed into a corner and, and they start to lash out, you, you don't sit there and be like, okay, dog, now be reasonable. No, they're, they're in survival mode. We, when, when we are hijacked, can get into survival mode. I go back to, you know, the episode on Monday. I have my six-year-old triggered self. I have my 15-year-old triggered self asking me to respond differently in the moments of those, of those triggered reactions. It's just not going to work. And so we have to re-regulate. I want to walk with you through an event this past weekend that for me led to rampant dysregulation and how I went through the process of trying to re-regulate. So... One of the things I've been intentionally trying to do is basically look fear in the face and, and walk tentatively towards it. And along the way, you know, I don't want to like do things that are reckless and dangerous, but along the way, I want to educate and equip myself to navigate the world a little bit more boldly. And so after I took my NCE, um, national, so that's the National Counseling Exam, after I took that exam, I had promised myself, if you pass, your reward is you can sign up for this Harley Davidson course and learn how to ride motorcycles. Now, a little backstory, I've never been on a motorcycle. I'm an education first person, so I wanted to go and learn about it to see if it's a thing for me. So on Friday, we did the classroom piece, and obviously, I can do that well. I'm, I'm an academic, and, and logic and routine and process make sense to me. Where it gets to be a little bit different is I'm not a very bold behavior person. And so uh, Saturday, when we went out on the range, it started off slow, 
we we started with some basic skills you know these are the names of things just another backstory i had never even touched a clutch before so that was new information turns out it's pretty vital to the process of riding motorcycles yeah more, more on that in a minute here uh, but we started with basic skills, you know, what are the names of things, how to get on the motorcycle, get off the motorcycle safety, or safely rather, um, how to, you know, move it around with your legs and how to how to get it started. And then we started to do things like how to use the throttle, also a, a new experience for me, um, and how to start shifting in gears and then how to brake with both your hand and your foot at the same time. So basically in this process, your left hand, your right hand, your left foot, your right foot, they're all moving independently from one another. And in the first couple sets of drills, I did a-okay. It was when we had to start layering different pieces of education and layering different pieces of reactions. That for me was more difficult, but I am someone who gets very cognitive and I try to overthink things. No, I don't try to, I, I very, I'm very good at overthinking things. And so as soon as it started to feel clunky to me, I started to overthink the fact that it felt clunky. And when it feels clunky, it feels unsafe. And when it feels unsafe, I, I worry I can't stop if I do start going. And so I just wasn't able to start shifting into second gear because you have to go fast enough to do that. But in my brain, if I go too fast, then I'm, I'm going to, you know, get hurt maybe. And so there was a real barrier from like smoothly engaging this process. Like I couldn't just trust the process because... I, I just, there were too many things going on. After about, no, it was, I went through rounds one, two, and three. In round four, I could tell I was I was overwhelmed and, and getting dysregulated. And then what started to happen was I kept releasing the clutch intermittently, and so it, it kept um, killing the engine. And that probably happened 15 different times. And as that's happening, the cortisol is building up, my adrenaline is flowing, I was able to, so I was able to get the motorcycle going, but then we had to go and stop and go and stop and go and stop. And that's just not a strength that I have. Once I go, frankly, I go. And then kind of the, um, the, the final nail in the coffin for me was, I was trying to turn right. And if you're turning right on a motorcycle, you're turning away from the clutch. So you're, you're keeping the clutch engaged and it's going away from your body. I could not get it to turn right for anything. So my motorcycle's shutting off, I can't get it to accelerate, I can't get it to shift gears, I can't get it to do a right turn. And in my very logical brain, I'm like, girl, if you can't make a right turn, what are you doing here? This just is not okay. And the instructor, he was so gracious. I, he, well, unfortunately, he let everyone else go park and then he started spending special time and attention and, and intentionality with me and trying to coach me and kept saying, Steph, you're in your head. When you get going, you're doing great. When you stop, you are a mess. What is going on here? And he, he started to just run through different simulations with me, and he was so helpful. And then afterwards, he said, okay, go park it, and I parked it. And he said, okay, go go take a couple breaths. So I went, and, and I, I moved around because I just felt the pent-up energy, but I could not release the chemicals that were rushing for me. And so in about 10 minutes, we were supposed to get back on the bikes, and I said to him, I said, hey, I've got to call it. I said, I cannot release these these chemicals. I am so wired right now. If I get back on the bike, it's just not going to be safe. I'm incredibly overwhelmed. And so I, I'm going to have to call it. I will tell you, I think motorcycle riding is for me. I, it was insanely cool. Um, I, I think I need to go practice like how to ride it in big stretches. And then I can learn how to do kind of the nuance, stop and start and stop and start, uh, which is where I, I choke. And 
as a little backstory, I actually failed range when I was doing driver's training, but I, I did awesome on the road test. So this is, this is kind of a pattern that has followed me for a long time. Um, one of the things I talk to about with my clients is when I'm in flow state in boxing, I, I am insanely keyed in. The second I stop to think about it, I'm a mess and, and I just, I forget what's left and what's right and what's an uppercut and what's a hook. It just, I get too cognitive and, and that's what happens. And that's what happened this last Saturday. And so for me to get back, I was offline. By, by then I, I walked to my car, I was crying. Um, I, I just, my whole body was jacked up with, with just chemicals and frustration. And so the first thing I did is I, I knew I shouldn't get in my car and drive. So I sat in my car kept it off for a little while and just did some breathing. I Marco Polo'd a friend and just said, hey, this is what happened. Um, I'm just feeling incredibly disappointed right now. I Guys, I did nothing to sit there and say, oh, Steph, you're such a failure. You're this, you're that, you should have done better. It, it just wasn't like, I went and I looked fear in the face and I did the thing and that was great. It just didn't have the outcome I wanted. And, and so that was okay. I wasn't like upset with myself. I was just upset. And I was upset because I had all of this energy trapped and nowhere to go with it. So I Marco pulled my friend and just said, hey, this is what happened. I am feeling incredibly disappointed right now. And then um, I was supposed to meet up with another friend shortly thereafter, but there was a little bit of an interim. So I did some breathing in my car and then I went and sat in a restaurant and I went to, um, I went to eat breakfast. And this was to help regulate my blood sugar and also just to give me time to sit. So eating something was helpful and then just sitting and breathing. And I'm not gonna lie, I, I, I intermittently got very emotional at the restaurant and just like felt overwhelmed. When I was then driving to my friend's house afterwards, I, I turned on some intense music and, and movement just helps me kind of process through things. The, the energy is built up and it had to go somewhere. Talking about it was helpful, listening to music and engaging in movement was helpful. And then throughout the rest of the day, as I'm hanging out with my friend, I just intermittently kind of shared about things and I felt my body calm itself down after a while because the, the energy was being moved. So we went to the Kalamazoo Scottish Festival. So we were walking around and listening to music and, and it was just, it was kind of a, a low pressure day, but it took me a while to feel re-regulated. And in addition to that, for the rest of the day, I felt a little lethargic. I felt just, you know, a, a little, maybe a little flat affect because there was such a buildup of energy and, and I, I had to expel it somehow. The first thing I had to do was get back online and, and understand that the body does what it does. I and my adult brain am able to navigate and re-regulate. A child is usually not able to unless we coach them again and again and again and again. And we can do it through things like breathing, through touch, through talking, through movement. There's a host of ways to do it. But it would, it would have been inappropriate when I was in my heightened state to call someone and, and um, try to have a serious conversation about life or, or get, um, get my frustrations out or, or take it out on someone. Or, um, you know, when people are dysregulated, sometimes we do really foolish things. And so what I'm trying to encourage you to do is if you are hijacked or dysregulated, let's call it what it is, and, and use some strategies, slow the pace of things down, get something to eat, do some breathing, talk to a friend, do some movement. But then teach your kids to do the same. Our kids need absolute, tangible, concrete plans of action when they're dysregulated. And we need to be gentle and yes, corrective, but also gracious if they go offline, making big requests of them, 
is our issue. It is not an appropriate ask to ask a hijacked kid to sit down and be quiet and stop um, stop experiencing their feelings and their thoughts and their emotions. It's an inappropriate ask. So what we have to do is learn how to self-regulate and then help them regulate as well. And the other piece is when we do it wrong, we always have the right to apologize and the right to say, I should have done it better and this is what that could have looked like. I highly encourage you to think through emotional dysregulation. When it happens, come up with strategies to do better. I walk very intentionally with a host of clients through skill building related to emotional management and emotional regulation. If you are not good at it, friends, you have to improve. It's how we do relationships well. And if you don't do it well, it's how we do relationships poorly. And it's how we destroy connection with people that we're entrusted to care for. So that's where we're going to end it today. Thank you so much for spending time with me. As always, you are welcome to reach out to me at healingthroughpain21 at gmail.com. Feel free to share this. Feel free to send it to friends. Feel free to try it in your own life and with your own kids. I would like to you know, equip us to have tools to navigate the world more healthfully. And anytime you're willing to spend here is much appreciated. Thanks so much and have a good rest of your week.